Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Amen. Praise God. How many of you know that the resurrection life calls us and demands us to do something? I I always love Easter because everyone comes out and celebrates, but the reality is resurrection life calls you to live a different life. It calls you to be something different. And I could talk about all the things what resurrection life does for you, yes, but actually calls you to be something else and to do something else. Uh, You know, a number of years ago, my grandfather, he died. It was just before I took over the church here and the leadership of the church. And I've been sworn to secrecy that I shouldn't tell anyone that I'm becoming the pastor. And I went to see him in a home as he was was on his last legs of, he was about to pass away. I love my granddad. He served God for many years. and, And I've told this story before for those who may have heard it. But I'll never forget going to him in this room and and spending some time with him knowing that as I visited him, it's probably the last time I'll see him. And, um, and I spoke to him and there was so much desire inside of me to tell him that granddad, you know, I've just been asked to take over a church because it would have been thrilling for him to hear. But how I many of you know you've got to sometimes be, uh, you know, keep integral. And, and, and when someone tells you not to say something, you've got to not say it. So I sat there thinking, I just want to tell him. I just want to tell him before he passes away. And I didn't tell him. I got back, Peter Cavana said to me, did you tell him then? I said, no, you told me not to. Oh, you could have told him. <laughs> Do you know, he died a few days after that. So I never got to tell him. But the one thing I said to my granddad is this. I said, granddad, can you tell me one thing you've learned in your life? Because he loved God. He used to play piano and he worshipped. All the time he would come around to our house and he'd play the piano in the house. And he loved Jesus. And I said, tell me one thing that I can learn from you. One last nugget. And he said this, always remember that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. I thought, is there anything else you want to tell me? Any advice? He said, remember that he is the resurrection and the life. Do you know the resurrection for us today, it poses some questions on our own lives as to what we're doing for Christ. The title of this message today is Resurrection Reflections. What is reflected in your life from the knowledge and the understanding of what Christ has done on the cross, but also the fact that he is risen from the dead? 
When I read Mark chapter 16, I capture one key thing. And it's this, that Jesus didn't just come back to have a party. He didn't come back to have a nice celebration service. He came back to give one key instruction. That they would continue to reflect the glory and the majesty of who he was. And that's a call, it's a mandate to you and me today that when we celebrate today that he is risen, yes, but that we must tell this news to the world. It's not for us to celebrate and just have a party. It's for us to understand that the message of the cross, the message of his resurrection needs to be preached. Amen. I love it, the fact that Jesus appears to his followers. The first person he sees is someone he's set free from seven demons. And it's interesting, the writers use, they always label, you know, Mary Magdalene, the one who's driven seven demons. If someone labeled you of the things that was in the past, you wouldn't be happy, would you? I mean, I wouldn't want anyone to label me. Forget seven things, there's a lot more things. But Jesus is no respecter of persons. So when Jesus comes, you'd think he'd choose the person who he loved most, the, the disciple who he loved, or he'd choose Peter, he'd choose some of these. But he chooses one who had seven dream, uh, demons driven out of her because he's no respecter of persons. And today I want to tell you today, some of you sometimes think that you don't deserve to be in church. You don't deserve to wear the robes of righteousness. You don't deserve to have resurrection life in your life. But I'm telling you, whatever is in your past, Jesus is no respecter of persons. He looks at you and says, whatever you've done, whatever was wrong, whatever I've dealt with before, I'm still back. I'm still here again. Whatever you think you failed with, I'm back again. What is reflected in your life? I love the fact that Mary Magdalene meets him the first thing that everyone does is run and go and tell someone else. It's like, I've seen him. I'm not just going to hang around here. I've got to tell someone. And I want to ask you the question today to challenge you. When Jesus encounters with you, when the Holy Spirit touches your life, do you run and tell someone? What is your response? She runs and tells. It's interesting. They don't believe until they see. Everyone's not believing at first. It's interesting. Jesus spent all this time with these people. He says that he saw 500 people in the space at one time. In 1 Corinthians 15, it states that as Paul mentions it. But I want to tell you today, Jesus is still visiting people. The Holy Spirit is here today and he's encountering people. And, and, and if you think that that was something of the past, today we know that he is coming. He's here right now. He's encountering lives and touching lives transforming lives i love the fact that today is the baptism service eight people deciding to be baptized to say death to the old life i was meeting them the other day and i said to them it's your funeral day but remember you're coming back up we'll not hold you down we'll bring you back up why because it's a representation that your life is dead to the old self. It's dead to the old labels. It's dead to the old things just like Mary Magdalene. You are no longer under that authority anymore. This is your new life. you got things to do, Mary. Get running. And I want to tell you today, you got things to do as well. In Romans 6 verse 5, Apostle Paul 
says something, and, and I want you to just capture this today, about us and what it means to live in the resurrection life. He says this, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, get this, we will possibly... Thanks, Steve. We will certainly, certainly. Do you know what certainly means? It means definitely. Certainly. Also be united with him in a resurrection like his. I want to ask you today, what and who are you united to? Because when you're united to something, it defines you. When you become one with something, it was Jesus' prayer that you would become one with him. Like he was at one with the Father. Do you know when I read that, I realize that, hang on a minute. My life might not feel so good at the moment. But there's one thing that's sure. There's one thing that's certain. That I am united to Christ. Hallelujah. Come on, that deserves a bit more than that. You see, what you're united to will determine what you are limited by. What you are united to will determine what you're limited by. These people, some of them, were united to their disappointment. You see, you see, they go around and they start telling them and it says that she ran back and tells these disciples and they're weeping and mourning. Some of you right now have got challenges in your life where there's broken hearts, there's situations, there's situations in your life where you feel so rocked in your life and sometimes what we do is we become united to the problem. We become united to the issue. We become united to the tomb, the problem. But I've come to tell you today that you can be united to Christ. Because when you're united to him and you're joined with him, it determines how you see things. I want to ask you today, what are you united to? Who are you united with? Now there's nothing wrong with being united. There's some married couples in the room. The Bible says... When you're united, you become what? One flesh. So let me tell you, listen. When you're united to someone in marriage, it limits you. It limits you because you have to take responsibility. There are things when you have children and the family grows. As much as all of you are one together, coming together, there is responsibility. So it it reduces some of the things you could do. But it's an honor to do it. Come on. So I want to tell you today, if you're married, and sometimes you're thinking, I want to do these things for ministry. I want to go around the world. I want to do these things. Can I say, you must put your marriages first. If you want to learn more, come on the marriage course. But listen, when you join together, you've got to take responsibility. You have to sacrifice things. And I want to just say this because I really felt strong to say this today. You see, some of the things you get unified to, if you're unified in relationships, in marriage, some of you right now need to know that things will be limited, but it will always glorify God. Why? Because you honor the covenant to what you've made. Now, if you can't do all the things you want to do, 
that doesn't mean that you can't fulfill God's purpose for your life. Because your job is to look after your house first. Amen? But some of us got to understand that when we're united to something, it limits us sometimes. But it doesn't limit us in a bad way. But what are you limit? What are you united to? What are you united to? Sometimes we can be, and I just want to say for those who are thinking about getting married before you go on this course or whatever you're going to do, be careful that you're, you're not unequally yoked, united to something that will actually rob you of your destiny in Christ. There's nothing worse than being unequally yoked when you want to go one way and someone wants to go the other. You're not one in your thinking and your purpose. Now, for some people, that's a, that might be a problem. Maybe your spouse is not giving their life to Jesus yet. Well, you've got to pray for them. You don't abandon them. You pray for them. I've had family members I've grown up with. One's gone to church. One loves Jesus. One follows the resurrection life. But there's a tension. But they don't abandon them. They pray for them. I want to tell you today, the best thing you can do is to be united to Christ. In John chapter 21, Jesus, he meets, um, he meets Peter. And he comes back because Peter's denied Christ. And he comes back in an appearance, a resurrected Christ meets him. And there we have this issue where Peter's gone back to being united to his old work. He said, I'm giving up, so he starts fishing. But how many of you know that Jesus comes to reinstate him, to take him from the ashes of defeat, to say to him, Peter, there's more to life than this. There's more to life than this. And some of you today, what's happened is this. You started to become united to things you once did. And you've lost your full unification to Christ. You thought, well, this is where I met Jesus, so I'm just going to go back to what I did before. But Jesus shows up in the room. He shows up on the beach. And he says, I want to give you a miraculous catch to show you the power and authority I have. He soon leaves his boat. I want to ask you today, what are you united to? He has a conversation on the beach with him and says, do you love me more than these? Now we can only assume it's either the fish, the fishing, or his friends. But I'm telling you, some of you right now need to cut off some relationships. Some of you right now need to let things go. Some of you right now need to let go of tombs of the past. You've got to let these things go because you're united to them. Be united to Christ. Hallelujah. I nearly started. See, when we're united to Jesus, it's unlimited. You see, when we're united to him, we're united to one who speaks to storms. The wind and the waves obey him. We speak to one. We serve one. We become united to one who can walk through walls. He can make money appear in a fish's mouth. He can multiply bread and fish. Nothing is impossible. When you're united to him, you're unlimited in him. But some of us, oh no, I don't know if I can fully trust him with my life, so I'm just going to be united to this one thing. I'll give him a part. I'm telling you, as we move on as a church, what I want to see is this. I don't want to see more lights. I don't want to see more, more, more skill. I want to see people sold out for Jesus. I want to see people on fire for him. I don't need technology. The world has technology. I don't need that. What I want is people, living stones, who are prepared, who are prepared just like those in Sri Lanka today, to keep on worshipping. 
I asked myself the question when I drove in this morning. I was thinking about that. If I knew, it says that they had warnings not to go to church and worship today in Sri Lanka. The pastors that we're sending the money to. But it says that they still went and worshipped and ignored them. Why? Because they love Jesus. Nothing will stop them. They're sold out. They're united to Christ. Hallelujah. It's time to stop being united to the dead things in our lives. Some of you right, right now, you need to let go of some of these dead stuff. Be united to the one who is life. Hallelujah. Don't look for the living among the dead. Romans 6, verse 10 to 11, it says this. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, this is Christ, he lives to God. I love this now, get this. Verse 11 says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. In the same way. In other words, in the same way as what you've read about Christ, in the same way. Copy that. Replicate that. Because it's a fact. It's a truth for your life. But some of you are saying, I don't know if I can count myself dead to sin. You don't know who I am. You don't even know what I did yesterday. You've got to trust that the column in heaven, the financial column in heaven says that you were purchased by his blood. That it absolutely negates everything that you think about yourself. Because if you're trusting in yourself right now, you can't trust in yourself. You can't, you can't get to heaven by yourself. You need Jesus. And if you're here today and you're from some other religion and you're saying, but there's other religions, let me tell you, there is only one way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We trust him with our lives. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, alive in Christ. You know, my son, I was on a holiday with him the other week and he he comes up to me and if he sees anything in shops, I take him to the shops and he loves to look around the shops, give him a bit of spending money and he he says, dad, I want this. And he comes out and he he, he brings something out. It's worth far more than what I told him he got. But he always tells me, dad... I've got some money in my piggy bank at home. If you, and, and I get so confused that I just end up buying it for him anyway, just because I, just to stop him. He's like, if, I give, if, if you give me the two pounds and then I have three there and then there's another two, and I get so confused, I'm like, just, just buy it. He knows how to get me, he just confuses me. He's not here today, so I can say this. But he tells me, and do you know what I have to do in the end? Just to keep him quiet, I have to trust that there is the money in the piggy bank. And I get home, and the first thing I do, it's like a terrible parent. I'm, I'm unpacking the car, I'm straight up there in his bedroom rattling that thing. Where's that two pound he said on Wednesday? And then when I find out it's not as much, I'm like, come here. But the reality is, in the moment of pressure, in the moment of, of, of when I'm, I'm away from the house, I can't check that. I have to trust that the funds are there in order for me to purchase what I'm going to purchase for him. And, and, and the, the reality is this for you and me today, people, that you sometimes have to trust God. 
that he has paid the price for your sin. It's in heaven's piggy bank today. It's in heaven's bank because he paid the price. And he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. And you sometimes can't see that. Even though you know you're seated in heavenly realms, you don't feel like it. But let me tell you something today. It's all paid for. It's fully paid. And so when you don't feel like it, when you feel distant from it, you've got to do this in the same way. Count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to bring just a few things to you today. Just to encourage you of what happens when we reflect. Don't worry, Steve, I'll, I'll be done soon. <laughs> I realize I'm not even on my first point. Shall we just go home? Hallelujah. I want to just bring just a few things. Of what I believe it is to reflect resurrection life. What happens in your life. Number one is this, that we walk in a greater purpose. A greater purpose. Mark 16 verse 12 says, Afterward Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. We believe this is the, the people on the road to Emmaus. They're leaving with disappointment. But he comes and meets with them because they're walking in the country. They're walking away from Jerusalem. They're walking away from their destiny. They're walking away from that place where they are going to start their, their mandate, their, the, the, the God's call upon their life. But they're walking in the country. I want to ask you today, what country are you walking in? Where are you walking today? Because God has called you to do something with your life. Resurrection life does not call you when things go wrong to walk away. It calls you to walk right into the heart of it. It calls you to walk right into the heart of the call of God on your life. But some of us, oh, well things are getting a bit tough so I'm just going to have a break. I'm going to walk away for a little bit. I'm not going to walk so, so much in the spirit in this season. I'm going to walk my way. But I want to tell you, you've got to keep walking in the spirit. Hallelujah. You've got to keep walking. And some of us right now, we're walking in different places. We're walking in places where nothing's going on. What God has called you to do. Some of us are walking in sinful places. Places that are quiet. We're out of the scene. I'm disappointed, so I'm just going to go and walk down this territory. I'm going to walk in this kind of thing for a while. Because I deserve to. But Jesus comes and he comes to those to touch their lives, to recalibrate them and turn them around so they walk in the right direction. You see, Jesus is all about changing lives, transforming you. Hallelujah. Do you know what it says in Luke chapter 24, the, the ones that wrote to Emmaus, he says that when they've been speaking with Jesus, many of you know it says, <clears throat> that afterwards they say, didn't our hearts burn? It's interesting if you look in Mark chapter 16, that he's just met Mary Magdalene. She's run off and told some people they don't believe. So then it says he appears to these in a different form. I mean, 
what is Jesus doing? I mean, isn't that so cool? I'll just go and appear to these now and I'll, I'll look different now. I mean, he's having some fun, isn't he? Come on, I like Jesus. He's like, I'm going to try a different disguise, see if they capture this one. Because maybe Twitter had just got out so far, we've just seen Jesus. So I'll just, cha- I'll just change him and I'll change the scene. And he appears in a different form. i got some news for you today. Some of you right now are looking to the people next to you. And you're expecting that God's going to do the same thing as he did for them. But listen to me. Every individual has a different encounter with God. You don't have to look like the other person next to you. He says he came in a different form. Some of you right now are saying, until I get that experience that he's got, the way that that person shakes when God touches them, I'm not like that. You see, I'm not a shaker. I used to, I used to shake on the dance floor many years ago. You don't want to see that. Listen, some of us are not the same. You cannot look at the person next to you and say to you, because I'm not like that, because I've not had an encounter like that, God's not doing anything yet in my life. He came in a different form. He comes in different forms. He touches lives the way he needs to touch them. And in this situation, what does he do? He touches them by their hearts because they're discouraged. Hallelujah. What does he do with Paul in Acts chapter 9? He does this. He knocks him off his horse and he touches his eyes. It's not his heart. Why? Because his purpose is to take people who are blind to open their eyes to the truth of the gospel. He takes Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1. He says, Lord, you touch my lips. Listen to me. Whatever he does for you is always different to someone else. Because Jesus, when he comes with his resurrection power, will touch you. He will touch you in the way he's going to use you. Some of you right now, what the devil said is this. You're not ready for your ministry. You're not ready to do anything yet. Because you don't look like that person. Let me tell you, you might now be the one who needs to be touched in your heart, not your mouth. You might need to be one who's touched where there's a broken heart right now. Because God knows that you don't need to use your mouth yet. You need your heart right first. Some of you right now, you're saying, I don't understand it. Why is it that person can preach and I can't preach? I want to do that. Because God needs to touch your heart first. If he touches your heart, then he might touch your mouth later. But the only thing you've got to worry about today is this. Is he touching me? Is he coming into my life? Hallelujah. Acts chapter 26 verse 17, Paul's before King Agrippa and he says this, I am sending you to them to open their eyes, Jesus says, and turn them from darkness to light and the power of Satan to God. That's why I've touched your eyes, that's why you can't see, because you're going to see what it feels like to be spiritually blind. Didn't our hearts burn within us? Yeah. I've got a broken heart. I'm just so broken at the moment. I'm so disappointed. I'm walking in the country. I'm walking down these things. I'm starting to do things that I never wanted to do. I'm starting to do things and because I'm discouraged, then God comes and he touches your heart. This is what resurrection power is all about. 
It's not defined. It's not something that's packaged and branded that you can look and say, that's what resurrection looks like. Resurrection power touches people in different ways. According to the purpose and the calling in your life. When you follow Jesus, when you say, Lord, come and touch my life. Let resurrection life come into me. You will walk in a greater purpose. Hallelujah. Number two, when resurrection life touches you, you witness to all people. It will change the way you speak. It should do anyway. So you've got a question today. Examine your heart. Examine your situation. Examine the places where you're walking today. Because reality is that Jesus wants you to talk about him. Not to stay quiet. The worst thing we can do today is come here, sing that he's the name above all names. The worst thing we can do today is sing he's victory. But get into work tomorrow and not speak like that at all. People don't even know he's victory. Now I'm not telling you to go into work and sit down on your computer or wherever you work and start speaking in tongues. Come on now. You've got to be careful. You might not have a job by the end of the day. You might be, you might be kicked out of your job. But you've got to be wise. But I'm telling you, you've got a calling and a mandate on your life. The Bible says you should do the work of an evangelist. I mean, so many people say, oh, that's their calling. No, it's called, we're all called in some shape or form to tell people about Jesus is alive. Don't listen to the lie. I never, I never planned to be an evangelist and go out on the streets. You could have asked me 10 years ago and I said, no, that's not my calling. I'd have told you all day. Now that I like, that's for other people. But I realized something. The more and more I released myself to it, the more and more the Lord touched my mouth. He touched my heart. He changed me and he released me in a greater capacity. But it first takes you to respond. To give him everything. He said this to them. Go into all the world. And preach the gospel. To what? All creation. Now when we read that we're thinking. Oh that's just for the big evangelists. Going all over the world. To all creation. No. What does all mean to you? I'm talking about every place you go. There are some places that you need to go into. There's an all for you. There's a place for you to share the gospel. To release the resurrection life. That might be your workplace. It might not be Jerusalem. It might not be Samaria. It might not be to the uttermost parts of the earth. It might just be in Cherry Hinton. We know Cherrington's going to see a revival anyway. Come on. Whatever place that you're surrounding you, all of the avenues of your life, the Lord is saying, go into all of them. Tell everyone this news that I'm alive. Because let me tell you something. A resurrected life, listen to me, a resurrected life is an instructed life. Oh no, I don't like that. You mean I've got to do something? A resurrected life is an instructed life. Do you know one of the things that the Lord wants us to do? Be obedient to him. 
And so I want to encourage you today. You can't be resurrected in Christ and not obey him. We have to make him Lord of our life. We have to say whatever you want. And I don't know if I feel comfortable in telling this person about you in my workplace. But listen to me. Since when did comfort become the thing of Christianity? Do you know that comfort is the biggest contender for your faith? It's the biggest contender. It's the thing that will fight for your faith. Oh, I've got to be comfortable. Do you think that they were comfortable in Sri Lanka today as they worshipped? Knowing what was happening on the news? A resurrected life is an instructed life. Hallelujah. The problem is sometimes is this. We leave the tomb. We're, you know... I love that song this morning. I ran out of the grave. Come on. I'm running. You run out of the grave. You leave the past. We all know about that. But can I just say something to you? Do you know what God has called you to do? He's called you to come out of the tomb to go to many, many tombs and help others out of theirs. But some of us, do you know what we're doing? We come out of the tomb and saying, I'm going to find myself a nice pretty little place now that doesn't smell of death. It doesn't smell of worry. It doesn't smell of problems. I'm going to find a nice place to com- of comfort to enjoy my Christianity in. In fact, I'm going to put a little picture up here on the wall. I'm going to put this here. And this is my new place because I was once in a tomb. I was once in that place. But listen, Jesus has called you to go and help people out of tombs. Sometimes you're going to have to go to places like he did in John chapter 11, where Lazarus was, and it smells. Oh no, no, that's not me. I'm called to the resurrected life, the fragrance of Jesus. Yes, you are. You carry his fragrance. And when you carry his fragrance, you have the power and authority to walk into a tomb and to help people out of it. To help people who are demon-possessed. To help people who are sick, who need a saviour. Some of you right now, what's happening is you left your tomb, but you're not prepared to go to other tombs because of fear. You're prepared. You want to do things for the Lord. But right now there's ministries calling. There are challenges for you. There are people I feel in this room right now that God is saying, this year you're going to see God use you in areas. But the problem is, you know it's a tomb you have to face. Why? Because the smell in that tomb is the problem of finance. It's the problem of can God come through in this situation? Can I actually see this thing, this dream that I see God's given me come to pass? The smell's too bad because it feels like the money's not there. Let me tell you something. God will provide. He's called you to go to tombs. Mark 10, 16, he says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. That sounds like tombs. Sounds like you've got to go and do some stuff that you don't like sometimes. In Acts chapter 8, persecution breaks out against the church. Do you know what it does? It grows the church. Philip the evangelist takes the gospel to Samaria. What happens is this, when persecution comes, when challenges come, it increases the spread of the gospel, dependent on who you are in Christ. You know, when you've seen Stephen just get stoned and killed, what are you going to do? Well, I'm not so sure about this anymore. I'm not so sure about this faith anymore. Because I watched my friend and they, they had cancer. And then we believed that they were going to get through. But yet they died. I, I, I saw that person who trusted God. And, uh, and they, 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 they thought they had the finances. But 
it all went wrong and I don't know whether I can trust this Jesus anymore. Then the enemy starts to sow seeds of doubt and say, do you really believe he's alive? Or do you believe it's just a fictitious story of the past? All the time, God is developing you. He's testing us. You see, when my friend might die of cancer, I ain't going to give up on my Jesus. I remember years ago when I was called into a room to pray for someone who was dying with cancer. And I prayed hours. And then the person died. And I said to the husband, can I pray for this person to be resurrected? He looked at me like I was crazy. And I started to speak over this body and nothing happened. I was so sure I was seeing healings and different things on the streets. And I'm so sure this person is going to start breathing again. I mean, I'm telling you, I believed. Believed it. Nothing happened. Thankfully, she gave her life to Jesus days before. And I watched that. I said the sinner's prayer with her. Then I went to a funeral. And some of you may know this story. But when I went to the funeral and and I was actually asked to lead the funeral of this woman who died. And as I stood up there, I stood in this funeral. And this was someone I used to, a, a, a wife of someone I used to work with. And I stood up in this funeral and I preached the gospel to all the staff I used to work with. Now the question is this, if she would not have died, would I have preached the gospel to all the staff? You see, God sometimes has a bigger picture. And you sometimes have got to go to the tombs even when people are dying. Even when things are going wrong. Even when the smell's not looking good. You've got to say, I'm going to keep on persisting. Because I serve a resurrected Savior who's got a bigger plan. If you're here Good Friday, I love it when a plan comes together. Why? Because when God brings his plans together, no matter what, everything else that's happening around, the schemes of the enemy, whatever's coming against you, whatever the smell of the tomb looks like, you've got to know something today, church. You've got to know that you've got to keep pressing on. Believe him. Witness to all people. No matter what happens. Finally, number three, work in power. Mark 16 verse 20. It says, then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Can I just say, some of us, I think the church is losing the awareness that we are a people of power. I was on the phone to someone just the other day. Involved in ministry. And they said that the church, some of the churches they go around in the States. All it seems like is just stage and lights. But I believe a time is coming soon. When people will lose their thrill over that. Because you have not been called to please your eyes. The Lord wants us to move in power. And when people move in power... And we see authenticity. We see the results of miracles and healings. That when people believe that the resurrected Christ really is working through them. Can I say to, if you're a believer today. If you believe in Jesus today. You can operate in the same things as what Jesus did. Jesus says you will do greater works than I have done. Because I'm going to the Father. I've got some good news for you today. 
Jesus did not say, oh, I want all the praise. He was willing to give you those gifts because it's all about him. And some of you got to stir up them gifts again. Some of you got to stir up them gifts again and start believing again that God can use you. He can use you to lay hands on the sick. He can use you to cast out devils. Oh, should we say that in church? He can use you to prophesy over people. Because I, I want to be a church that fulfills the Joel 2 prophecy. That his spirit is going to fall on this place. People will dream dreams. They'll prophesy. This will be a place of power. Do you want that? Hallelujah. We will work in power. Do you know what I've put here? That the greatest evidence of the resurrection, get this church, is not an empty tomb. It's a person full of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Jesus did not die. He did not want you today on Easter Sunday to think just about an empty tomb. He did not want you to have to think that the only way of moving forward in your life is to visit Jerusalem and have a look at the tomb, which might just be the tomb. I mean, I know people have been there. I still want to go. Oh, I, I really sense something in there. Well, I hope it's the tomb. I've got no problem, and I'm sure when I go, I'll feel something, because everyone else has told me I'm going to feel something. How many of you know if someone tells you you're going to feel something, you feel something? I'm not not criticizing that, because listen to me, I've not been to Jerusalem yet, I want to go. I've not been to Israel yet, I'd love to go. But the reality is this, my faith does not rest on a trip to Israel. My faith does not determine which location Jesus died in. It does not rest on where the tomb was. It doesn't rest today on whether the tomb's empty. The biggest identity, the biggest evidence is this. When a person is transformed from a dead tomb that they were. And that their life is full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. He is risen. Do you know that you're, you are a walking tomb, an empty tomb. You're a walking tomb that is full of the Holy Ghost. Something, a jar of clay that was broken, a shell, but now treasures just come in. When I look at you, I see what I need to see. I don't need to see an empty tomb. So I want to tell you today. Your biggest focus is this, is am I full of the Holy Ghost? Am I full of the resurrected Christ? Am I united in Christ? Is he the very thing that's took over my life? Am I at one with Jesus? Am I at one with my Savior? Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that we are Christ's ambassadors. You are supposed to be reflecting the glory of God. Reflecting Him. Reflecting Him. We go from glory to glory. Why? Because you are a walking story. 
You're a walking story. Hallelujah. I was on holiday just the other week and every now and again the power would cut out. And it, was absolute, it was nothing like this. It was freezing cold. I was in a caravan. It was a nice caravan. Freezing cold with the boys. And all of a sudden the, the, the heating would just keep going off. We had heaters on the walls. And I'm trying to work out what the problem is. I go to the fuse box. The fuse box looks fine. My dad came over. He's looking. He can't find the problem. So I went up to the campsite owner. I said, there's a problem. The heating keeps going off. I'm freezing. And he's looking around. He says, your problem is the fuse box. I said, it's not the fuse box. I've checked the fuse box. He says, ah, there's another fuse box. I said, all right, you could have told me that when I went in. He came in, flicked the switch. The whole thing came back on. And I realized, he said to me this, he said, the reason why it cut off is because you got too many things running at once. He said, just be careful. I realized every time I turned the kettle on, the heating went off. (laughs) So my holiday, I had to be very strategic. So many heaters on if I want another kettle on. So if I want a drink, make sure heaters are on. And I realized through the holiday, I had to keep checking the box. Because the fuse kept switching out. If I did something, I keep checking the box. And I've got something to tell you today. Some of you got to check your box. Some of you got to check your life. Are you united to him? Is there really power in your life? Is there resurrection power running through you? Or are you just a walking image of something that looks like it? All power in talk but no action. And I want to tell you today, check your fuse box. Examine your heart. No, am I united to Christ? Jesus did not die for people to visit a shrine. He died for you to shine. So many people going over there to Israel to visit a shrine. He said, don't cover up the light that's in you. You're the light of the world. Why? Because the light of the world's in you. Don't cover it up. You are called to shine with power and authority, resurrection life. And it's not about visiting any shrine. The Lord is looking for us today to shine. If any of you saw that, what happened in Notre Dame the other week, I was so sad to see that. And I'm sure there'll be people in here who are are architects who love what was was there originally and what's been broken. But I'm sorry to say, but when I see something like that, I have to say this, that it's more important in this generation to come. More important for us to declare who Jesus is than a building. I mean, those beautiful images that showed this gold cross left. And I love all that. But listen to me, when everything is stripped away, I believe that the Lord uses these things. He doesn't, he doesn't make them happen, but it shocked me. It brought my attention to realize something. What in the world are we thinking? 
that we're so worried about what the architecture looks like and rebuilding and getting all our lives back to normal again so we've got the Notre Dame back. My life does not rest on the Notre Dame. It doesn't rest on how beautiful that looks, how nice the spire is. What it rests on is, what is Christ in me? Is he the hope of glory? It doesn't rest on a gold cross in some rubble. It rests on the fact and the reality that he died for me. He's alive in me. But I hope they get the money to do it. (laughs) Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. (laughs) Hallelujah. You know, every time it comes to Easter time today, you, you search on, on BBC News, all these newspapers, all of the articles come out is, can we prove that Jesus was real? They all come out every year. Can we prove the resurrection? Can we prove this? Do you know what? The world needs an explanation and a demonstration. I'm tired of people trying to explain and debate things Just show them the power. Just show the power. You see, Paul operated in power. He didn't have to go around explaining it with wise and persuasive words. He came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And the moment you rest in wise and persuasive words, the moment your church starts to go in a direction where you start to sound more like the world... You start to sound more like a life coach. I'm not here to life coach you. There's only one who can life coach you and it's the Holy Spirit. I mean, I've seen some ministries, people, they wander off into this. If you listen to them, I don't even hear them mention Jesus. Come on. You're supposed to be reflecting the treasure in you. But what happens is some people get hold of that treasure. They get hold of that wisdom, that knowledge. Because the gifts come without repentance. So they get this knowledge. They get understanding. And what they do is they rebrand it and package it like it's their own. And all of a sudden it becomes something like a life coach. And all of a sudden the treasure's hidden. The reality of where it came from is hidden. But listen to me. You need to always make sure that Jesus is the main thing. Because when you get wisdom from heaven, it comes from him. It's not yours. It's his. Hallelujah. We are called to be a people of power. If I could have the keys back, that would be great. If someone could just come. Hallelujah. We're called to be people of power that change things. You know, two years ago, I was out on a, on a bike ride. In fact, I was on a bike ride with someone from this church. And in the middle of nowhere, I met a guy. And this guy I met, he had a puncture. This is a couple of years ago. He has a puncture in his bike. I'm in the middle of nowhere. I happen to have a spare inner tube. So I fixed the guy's tire at the side of the road. And I, I under, ended up praying for him ministered to him and then I went away this is miles from my house 
Never saw him again for a long time. Until just recently, he moved in opposite my house. He's been there quite a while, but I've been going through a challenging season, so I've not had a chance to really chat to him. Saying, Lord, open the door for me to chat to that man. I know I met him once a couple of years ago. I was the good Samaritan to him. I had an inner tube. And I fixed his wheel. And I prayed for him. And I shared the gospel. But Lord, you brought him right back to me. And he's opposite me. Thank you. Bless you. Wow, two. I I am blessed. And and, and so I see this gentleman. And I've not had a chance to talk to him. And then I went out just the other week. And I saw him and I got to chat to him. I said, I noticed you've moved in. Are you settling in? Well, he said, I've been in a year. (laughs) You know when you feel like you want the ground to swallow you up? Are you settling in well? Yeah, I've been here one year. It's how time passes when you don't talk to people. So I'm not, there's not, I'm not the best in all these stories, you know. I could have talked to him earlier, but God knew the moment and time I talked to him. So he came up to me and he said this, he said, he says, yeah, I'm, I'm in this house now. He goes, I remember when I met you. I goes, yeah. I says, I fixed your tie. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. He said, it's amazing that we meet again. I says, yeah. He said, I said, what's been happening in your life? He said, oh, I've had the most terrible time since I saw you. I said, okay, what's happened? He said, my wife walked out on me. So she left me and my life is just a mess. He said, to the point where I've thought about committing suicide. This was just the other day. Now, some people know I've gone through some challenges myself, and I'm not going to go to the details now. But I looked into his eye, and I knew God had positioned him right there for me. Because the thing is this. I didn't contemplate suicide in my situations, in my challenges in life. But one thing I did know is this. I had a savior. His name is Jesus. And I looked at him and I said, listen, I believe God's called me to talk to you. I've been going through some challenges as well. Let's meet up and have a drink. And I've got some things to tell you. So the other day, I shared the gospel with him. I invited him into my house. He's got some problems, health conditions. I prayed for him in my kitchen. Two years later, listen to me. We are people of power. Thoughts of suicide can't come near you when you serve Jesus. Some people right now in this room, you've been flirting with those thoughts of suicide ending your life because trials and troubles got so hard on you. Let me tell you, be united to him. Become one with him. Become one with him. Whatever comes against you, you always know he's the resurrection. He's the life. He's what keeps me going. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on, let's stand. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless, and goodbye.